Hey, South Africa! Welcome to Farmers Inside Track Weekend. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, the manager for audience and engagement at Food Form Zanzi. In this week's edition, we meet Sipa Mandla Mankele, one of Umzanzi's most dynamic entrepreneurs, food production specialist, and the owner and founder of Local Village Foods. Sipa Mandla, I remember reading your story and amazing work as a South African entrepreneur on Food Form Zanzi in 2019. And I must say, I thought like, wow, this woman is amazing. She's a powerhouse. And I think you've always believed, and I quote, that food can be a great unifier. Do you still champion this? Thank you so much for having me. I really believe this is so true today that it was true back in 2019 and it was true 20, 15 years ago. I think that the wider the gaps that divide us, it keeps widening. So that gap that divides us, it seems like it keeps widening. And I found just right now in South Africa where people are tackling issues of policy, but then you see subtle divides while people are tackling issues of employment and then there's attacks on different nationalities. So you see that subtle stuff. But you also see recently, I mean, we were just talking about Black Lives Matter. So you you see sort of issues around sort of divide as a people. And so if we took time to connect with people who are different, um, if we understood their food and if we connected with them through food, I make an example. It sounds very philosophical, but I make an example for me in my home. I've had people on my dining table. I've had people from Nigeria. I've had people from Senegal. I've had people from Germany who are Africans from South Africa. You know, we'd sit around the table. We talk, we interact. I understand. So even if we're serving, like they'll bring like cook sisters or somebody will bring like injera from Ethiopia and they will talk about how they grew up eating this. And, you know, and I can talk about my experience with TEF here in South Africa. And I found that that connects us as, as we dine and as we connect and we journey through our background and upbringing, that really connects. So even if I'm dealing with the issue of policy, it's so difficult for me to say, oh yeah, all these Afrikaners or oh yeah, all these Nigerians or all these Zimbabweans or all these Zulu people, or all these Tosa people. And I found that because I've understood, I've connected, I've been intentional about creating relationships with people who are different from me, from a culture point of view, people who have different upbringing from me, because that has enabled me to grow and understand people from all sorts of uh, walks of life. So I really believe that food is truly a currency for connection. I think it's amazing the way you're explaining it to me. I think I understand it a lot better, even in my own experience also sharing meals with people from different backgrounds, different, even economically. You can be on a street corner and enjoy a piece of meat with someone. I mean, you've made great strides as an entrepreneur in Mzanzi. I mean, in 2008, when you were only in grade 11, you set up Mzobotzi Training, which is a small-scale toilet paper manufacturing and distribution business that operated over two years. Did you always have that drive in yourself to kind of be your own boss? Well, I think the drive was not really to be my own boss, but I think the drive was always to channel this fire I had. When you, you're young, you're so inspired by, there's a lot of people who inspired me. My mom was one of them. She was a go-getter. She worked with communities. They did recycling projects and making bags with women who were not employed. She eventually got into mining, but she didn't sit down. I think the energy that she had and said, what is it that I could do and what difference could I make that really inspired me? I think so I had that drive, that, that fire within that wanted to, you know, express itself in a platform. And I think for me, entrepreneurship was one of those, but also just obviously my love for food and merging with that passion enabled me to get into business. Now, tell us about local village foods. What inspired you to start this business? 
So Local Village Foods is a Pan-African food company. As I was saying, I love food and I am passionate about entrepreneurship. I come from a community in the Eastern Cape called Lusigisigi. Lusigisigi is a rural community. And so and I've shared this story over and over. When I grew up, it was still counted as one of the poorest communities in the country. Yet it was one of the most beautiful places in South Africa. Beautiful climate. There's really good people and there's good land and fertile land. Yet we were not really participating in the mainstream economy. But also this is just not unique to where I come from. Many parts of Africa, if you come from a rural community, you would understand that a lot of us have to migrate into cities to be able to find work. And so I think for me, getting to study community development at university and business and understanding that, you know, you need sustainable ways to have something that is more sustainable to develop communities. And I think for me, entrepreneurship was one of those. And so love for food and also just the continent Africa and what it has to offer. I mean, I remember reading a book by Chinua Cheben and Chinamandi Adichengozi as well. In Nigerian fiction, they'll talk about pepe or yam. And I'm like, what is yam? What is pepe? So I started going to Nigerian restaurants. I wanted to try yam and I wanted pepe soup and try it. And so for me, that curiosity and the appreciation that actually Africa has so much to offer, even if I didn't grow up with people from Nigeria, I didn't grow up with people from Senegal or Zimbabwe in my community, but I could experience different foods from different restaurants that are available in Johannesburg. But even as I traveled whether to Chicago or the likes where I could find restaurants in, in those countries that are of African descent and try different foods. But also that got me to realize that actually there's not enough African, what we call whole foods or superfoods in mainstream. And so people would know what's a South American, but they don't know what's African in terms of from grain to superfoods. And people often thought African food is just what we've seen on Heritage Day, which is just pop and place. Yet, you know, there's so much untapped healthy crops that we actually have in different parts of our continent. So that was probably one of my main drives to be able to bring that um, into market. Chimamanda is actually one of my favorite authors as well. And the first book I picked up of hers was Americana. <laughs> and it made me want to eat jollof rice. So <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, I want to try these dishes. She makes it sound so good. <laughs> I totally get like exploring our diverse cultures, understanding that it's much bigger than we can actually imagine. And I love that you're championing that. Now, people will look at you and think, wow, she's made it. But I'm sure it hasn't been an easy road. What has been some of your biggest challenges in this journey as an entrepreneur? So, I mean, entrepreneurship is a challenge. Many people would really agree. And some of the ones I've highlighted and, and a lot of other businesses share them. Not having just a salary. And I started off, I didn't get a salary in the company for a long time. And I mean, at the time when we started the business, we were still doing like chickens, like free range village chickens. And then we pivoted and we started doing granola and honey that was sourced from small scale, a beekeeper who was doing development with small scale communities, and then eventually got into the African superfoods. I think not drawing a salary all of this time, so not having sufficient resources, but also just convincing retailers, especially if you know, you're a new player convincing retailers to stock your products. And that's very challenging. So that sort of access to market, it's always easier to just deal with people, you know, if I'm a retailer, I just want the existing suppliers, let them give me new products if they must, but to deal with the new player altogether, it's a bit of a challenge, I think. So even for us as entrepreneurs, so, you know, trying to get into those markets becomes a difficulty. The other thing though, was to really build a team. It's another thing when you're just working from your balcony on your own to your garage and then to a warehouse and your business is growing and you need to build a team. Some of the challenges that I found actually either you can't afford the top of the top, you know, in terms of skill set, but even if you bring in people that you believe are talented, understanding them, getting them to understand the vision of where we're going, that often takes time and resources. So that I think for me, one of the challenges, 
But another thing for me that I really think is important, I've never really run a successful business before. I mean, even the business when I started in high school, it didn't really take off much. But running a business when you've not been a CEO, being a CEO and a founder is two different things. You can be passionate about an idea and then you bring it to execution, but running it day to day, that often requires a different skill set. And when you've not done that before, it can be a challenge. So I think for me, that was a bit of a challenge and it's something that doing training, getting mentors, you've got an advisory board to help you through navigating of how to run a business. So those are key, I think, four key challenges that I've experienced. Now, just keeping all of what you said in mind, what are some of the most rewarding aspects and also some of the big wins for you since you've started this journey? Building a team was a challenge, but I think once you've gotten a team, them understanding your vision and running with it, you know, the vision of the organization, I think that's really been one of the highlights for us where the team actually gets to, to do stuff where I don't have to be involved in every little decision. That's really good. But also getting listings, you know, in a few retail stores in the country, which has really been good for us. I mean, we've got people like Faithful to Nature, Jackson's Wolf Food Market, Fruits and Roots, to name a few. And that's really just been a, an awesome opportunity for us as a brand to be able to have that access, although it has challenges in the first when we started, but, you know, we've seen an uptake. But also winning competitions and being recognized for the work that we're trying to do on the continent has been really rewarding. And winning these competitions where we go pitch, truly that has helped us along the way. And really, it's a way of recognizing that we are on the right track. Okay, now don't be shy. Please tell us about those competitions that you've won. <laughs> <laughs> so like Black Umbrellas, Cedar, Pitch Perfect. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I think that recognition def- definitely makes you feel like, if I can win this, I mean, I can go even bigger. So it definitely means that you're growing and, and you grew so beautifully. So thank you so much for sharing that story. Lastly, before I let you go, do you have any advice to entrepreneurs that's really hustling to make it? And also those mm-hmm. who are considering to also follow in your footsteps, not doing exactly what you're doing, but they might have this yeah. idea that they think can really work, but they're too scared mm-hmm. to take the risk or they think that it might not work in the end. What advice do you have for them? You know, entrepreneurship, I think if you've had the privilege as a person to be able to take a seed and put it on the ground or you put it in a pot and you watch it grow where you have to prepare the soil, if you need to prepare the soil, do your beds, put your seed in, cover, put mulch, water it, monitor it and see it start growing. I think entrepreneurship is like that. I think it's such a beautiful because there is growth. I think the when you wake up in the morning and you put in an effort, there's going to be growth. You're going to see a difference in your business. But I do think as well, as much as, you know, planting is difficult, farming is difficult. We've seen people where there's droughts, they find ways of farming in ways that are creative. We've seen when there's just overheat, we've seen people when there's no water, there's floods. We've seen how people actually find ways to be creative around farming. And so I look at entrepreneurship as that. It's a process, it has stages. And sometimes it often requires you to pivot. Where we've seen now with COVID, where a lot of people have struggled or been affected by by the COVID-19 had to pivot their businesses or there's just not access to particular resources and people have had to find ways. So entrepreneurship is a journey. It requires a lot from you, but it's a beautiful process. And when you get to see your crop producing at the end, when you get to see your products listed and customers buy it and they, you see it in their pantries and say, I've bought this at this store. I think that's such a beautiful process. And so I think one of the key things is to, 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 to people who are aspiring to start businesses is take it as it comes, pivot where you need to pivot, But start, one of the greatest things is to start. You can't talk about putting in your your seeds on the ground and you don't actually get to to sow. Otherwise, you'll never harvest. So really get those seeds in the ground, but at the same time, water them, watch them, 
monitor your environment so that if you need to pivot, you pivot while you can, can still do that as a business. But also appreciate the process and the stages because it's not going to be happening overnight. It does take time. Sometimes it's 10 years, sometimes it's two years, sometimes it's six months. But each business has its own process and steps. And don't be afraid when the challenges come here. It was so awesome chatting to you. Sipa Mandla Mankaele, owner and founder of Local Village Foods. Now that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Remember, if you loved this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. And then one last thing before I let you go. Don't forget to sign up to our Farmers Inside Track Academy. We're running a series of farming workshops called Farmer Clinics for new or aspiring farmers, or even if you want to expand to a different commodity. Just visit www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za for more details about the broiler production training we're currently running. From me, Don Numdu, and our producer, Megan Van Defend, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have an awesome weekend. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.